Welcome, Kingsway Online. Uh, grateful to just have this chance again to uh, dig into his word. Uh, you're probably glad you're not here in the building with us this evening. It is like literally 85 degrees in the building. So welcome to the Kingsway sauna. Uh, and uh, we are going to look at, look at his word together. If you didn't have a chance to listen to last, we got to encourage you to. We just talked about uh, how the story of Esther and being born into the kingdom for such a time as this. And Realizing and wondering if we as well have been called to this time, uh, this season, for such a time as this, his kingdom. And we encourage people with three, uh, three thoughts on how to live uh, in the season that we're in. And it was uh, number one, to keep watch, um, two, to live ready, and three, to be future focused. And you can find the rest of that on our YouTube channel right where you found this message as well. Uh, last little bit, I've been studying Revelation, uh, certain things just uh, popping up into, into my mind and continues to bring me to that part of scripture. And uh, this week as I was reading, I just kept uh, in, the, in the beginning chapters where he talks to the churches, I wanted to begin preaching about that. And then yet, uh, as, I, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that, let that uh, um, marinate a little longer. But this one statement that, that uh, Jesus said to each of the churches was this. Know or listen, he who has ears, let him hear, let him understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches, um, individually, collectively. Uh, and there's, there is this, <laughs> for anyone who would listen. And uh, to most of the churches, he actually would give them a bunch of different things and thoughts, and then he would, he would encourage them with this term, repent. Repent. And I know the word repent, it's, it's not a word we love to hear. It means something's wrong and it's got to change. But that's, that's really what the, the, the uh, basis of repentance is. It's this word metanoia. It's this changing of your mind. Change your mind to the way you think about something. And that, was, that was Jesus' word to the churches then. And uh, my, my heart, my hope is that we would hear what he's saying to, to the church today, individually and collectively, as small group gatherings, as people gatherings, and as his church in 2021 on the planet. And Paul wrote about this, this idea of repentance, this changing of the mind, this, this transformation. He, he wrote about it to the Romans, and that's where I just want to spend, uh, spend the, the, this time together with just a, just a couple of verses from Romans. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1. If you have your Bible, please open it up and, and go there. Romans chapter 12. He uses some words that we don't use often, but he says, I beseech you. I think what a great word. It's actually a very strong word. It's this word urge. I urge or I, I'm compelling you. He says, therefore, brothers, he's writing to the Jesus followers. He says, but I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And verse two, and don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's that, that word again, that, that metanoia, that met, metamorpho. Uh, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, he's, he, he starts by just urging them that they would present their bodies as a living sacrifice. This, this picture of, the, they, they would be familiar with sacrifices made to God's, but they would, those things were always dead. And he's like, I want you to live your life as if it's on an altar before him. That, that it's presented to him. God, here, here's me. Here's not just, not just my, you know, my spirit, but he, he says your body, the, the whole of you, and we've talked about that here before, that we are spirit, soul, and body. You know, we've been created in the image of, of God, who's three, that three in one. And, 
And we, you know, when you wonder about, you know, what, what parts we're familiar with, our body, the spirit and soul and, and mind and all that, it's a little bit, a little bit more convoluted. We have another uh, diagram as well, I believe, that just shows that our spirit is that part of us. That's the real you. That's the eternal being. Then you have your, your mind, your will, and your emotions, which make up that part we call soul. It's, it's between the ears. It's, um, and, then, and then body is, well, we know what the body is. It's our earth suit. And you know, that, that center part of us, that spirit part of us, it's, it's perfected when we put our trust in Christ. It means our sins washed away. It, it actually comes alive to God. That's, that's what happens when salvation, that, that's how you know that you become a believer because something actually changes on the inside. And, and the, the, the soul and the body, uh, they don't change right away. Actually, there, there's probably almost no change at the beginning. You know, you have the same, you know, the same hair, you know, you accept Christ and you know, you're the same weight when you get back on the scale. You've got the same behaviors, the same quirks, the same problems. And Paul's saying to them, hey, I'm urging you to present your whole self, your whole being to Christ. And he says, and starting with your bodies, present your bodies, you know, uh, have, have them um, being changed. Maybe you're right away think, oh, you know, like plastic surgery or you think, how do we have to change this, this body? Um, how do we fix the outside? And I've had some conversations with some people recently and our culture so pushes this idea that, you know, if you're unhappy on the inside, you need to change what's on the outside and that will fix the inside. I mean, and they spare no length to what they'll say you should do. It's, you know, purchase this kind of stuff, move to this location, wear those certain kind of clothes, but all the way to the spot where change your gender if you're feeling like, you know, change your physical body to match whatever gender you think is on the inside, and, um, and, and you'll find that happiness that you so crave. But it's not the truth. It doesn't work that way. And, uh, you know, going on YouTube and looking at, you know, different... Um, um, people who've gone through transition surgery and then the detransitioning stories. There's almost as many detransitioning stories as there was transitioning stories. Why? Because they found out on the other end that yes, everything on the outside had changed, but inside they were still unhappy. Because the truth is, outside change doesn't fix inside. It's the other way around. That it's when the inside begins to be fixed, especially starting with the spirit on the inside and then moving to the soul and body and mind, that, that our soul and mind story, that that moves on to the outside into the body. Well, your body goes where your mind goes. Your body does what your mind tells it to do. And so Paul, as he writes this to them, he says, God, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. But in the very next breath, he's, he, he makes them aware that this happens as your, as your mind is transformed, as your mind is renewed, then, then you will be transformed. And here's what he says, don't be conformed to this world. You know, if you look up the word conform, you look it up in the dictionary, it says this, to comply with rules, standards, and laws. He's like, don't comply to the, to the rules, standards, and laws, but just hold off one second on being too like, okay, good, we can break all the laws. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you know, don't, uh, the conforming is to behave according to a socially acceptable conventions or standards. And, and the biblical definition is, is um, conforming oneself to another's pattern. He says, he says, don't conform. Don't follow all the rules and laws and everything else of what? Of the world. He says, of the world. You know, that's, um, this, this conforming is where we change us to follow somebody else's pattern. And that's exactly what Paul is warning them not to do. There's a uh, guy named Solomon Ash in the uh, early 50s. He uh, did this experiment that 
is well known because it's been in psychology books from pretty much ever since. But he wanted to test man's conformity and to find out, you know, which social pressures could affect people in, in, into uh, conforming to changing their changing their beliefs, changing especially their answers to a certain question. And so, what they ended up doing, they had this experiment. They took groups of eight people. They had um, seven people who were plants, and they would have one test subject, somebody who didn't know anything was going on, and they'd put them in a room and they would show them these lines, and they would say to the people at the table, they would ask them, okay, which of the line, which, what does the target line match? And they would have the seven people go ahead and say, oh, that matches A, of course. And then the second one would be like, yep, A. Third, yep, A. Fourth, A. Fifth, A. Sixth, A. Seventh, A for sure. And then that eighth person, they're the test subject. They've got to go and they look and they realize it's, it's not A, it's C. And their eyes can show them and prove to them what's truth. And yet, what they found was very interesting. That out of all the studied subjects, 30% of them, about one-third of the, of the participants, actually changed their answer. And they agreed with the, with the crowd, agreed with those in front of them and said, yep, it, it, it's A. And he found that fascinating. And I think that's the same thing that we see. And when they asked them after, they said, well, we didn't want to stick out. We don't, we don't want to look different from the rest of the group. And some of them said, we, well, we just figured that, you know, the, the majority must have, um, you know, must be better informed than us. And so we went, with, we went with them. We went with the majority. And this is what Paul is saying. There's this propensity in us to conform. And there's other ways that, you know, lots of other ways that are used to cause people to conform. Lots of circumstances, lots of experiences, lots of repetition that cause um, this confirmation and, 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 and uh, Paul's saying to them, don't, don't be conformed. Be careful what you conform to. Don't conform to the world's way of thinking because it keeps on changing. I don't know if you've realized that as Jesus followers especially, he's like, don't, don't, don't line up your life and conform your life to fit with the world's culture right now because the culture shifts all the time. You'll begin saying and doing and believing what they say and what they do and what they believe about life. And Paul's like, don't let someone else determine how your life will be lived. That, that gift and that responsibility have been given to you as a person. And he actually uses the word world, which means age. It was, it's, this, it's this like time period. So it, it actually, it doesn't change at all from the time that he said it to those believers living in a pagan Roman world to believers today living in the world we live in. He's like, whatever age you are in, don't, don't conform to that age. That age is passing away. That age changes. Don't let culture or society decide what's okay for you. You know, instead, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. That word transformed is another meta word, metamorpho. And we know it in, the, in our English word of metamorphosis, where you, we see the butterfly, the uh, uh, caterpillar, sorry, turn into a butterfly. It changes. It becomes something completely different. You know, for those who are Transformers, I remember as a kid, you know, wanting Optimus Prime or, you know, Starscream. Any of the ones that, you know, went from a man to like a truck or to a, to a car. It's a, it's a completely different, a completely different character. You know, I feel like a lot of us um, have seen Christians who've treated Christianity not like a transformation, but more like a motorhome. You know, if you look at the motorhomes these days, you know, they, they got these sweet motorhomes and this is the outside. Look at the inside. I mean, if I was going camping, that's how I would want to go. But that's the same idea of Christianity. Is like, you know, if you're, if you, the, the, you can take home wherever you went. 
And so instead of saying, you know, I'm going to go camping and we're going to do, you know, lawn chairs and a fire pit to cook over, it's no different they, they, than, than being at home. They've got, you know, their, their same bed, their same, you know, blankets. They've got AC. They've got TV. They've got running water. They, they got it all. It's completely um, different than what camping would look like. What is it? They've just taken, they've moved the location, but the thing is still the same. The lifestyle is still the same. And, and for many, that's what their Christianity has been. It's like, well, I'll add Jesus to my life if I can find time to fit him in. You know, yeah, I'll go to church or I'll do that. I'll, I'll add Jesus to my life. And he's like, that's not what I want. <laughs> I don't want to be the motorhome that you just kind of moved around and you still have all the same stuff. He's like, I moved into your life to completely transform it. That, that's what his desire is in our lives as his followers, is that we would be transformed by him. And Paul writes it, he says, be, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word renewing is this idea of a renovation. This complete change for the better is just how it's described. You know, they, I, back in the day, I used to watch all those um, renovation shows, you know, with Ty Pennington. And it would be like they, they started the shows out where they'd change a couple of rooms for a family and that was in need. And, and then it got all the way to like, they were building whole houses in a week. And it was that famous line, move that bus. And people who was, saw what once was and look at it, they're like, they can't believe the, the difference, the transformation. And that's, you know, it's, it's this exciting thing. When you watch the show, you're like, whoa, you just can't, you can't wait because you get to see it all happen in half an hour. But how many of you know, like me, that inner transformation doesn't always happen that fast? The, the, the transformation of thought and, you know, the transformation of our actions and attitudes and behaviors doesn't always happen just in half an hour. I wish it would, but it doesn't. You know, our spirit's instant, but the rest of it, it's not. You know, we're renovating a portable here right now. And man, it takes time because it's like as each step is progressing that, you know, but at the end result, it's going to be worth it. It's not always fun to live in a renovation. I don't know if you've ever been, ever had to do that. I remember we took out some uh, walls in our house once and we were putting in a, a brand new kitchen. And as we were going to do that, um, Beth was like, I can't live like this. She's like, I'm moving to my mom's until you're done. Because <laughs> nobody wants to live in that, in that spot where everything is in chaos. And yet, that's often where we find ourselves. We find ourselves in that place where there's chaos going on and we're being transformed in that, in that time frame. We're living, in a, re- living in, a, in, in a renovation between the ears. And you know, I mean, for us, we're like, wow, the end result, like that, that, that we would be transformed is like, man, it's like looking so forward to that. How, how awesome would that be? And it, it sounds awesome. And Paul says, hey, you know, as you're transformed, you're actually going to experience the perfect and pleasing will of God. And we're like, yeah, I want to know God's will for my life. I want to live in God's will for my life. And he says, yeah. He says, that's the, that's the idea. That's the goal. Uh, but he says it's going to take some effort. It takes some work. There's a battle going on. It's not easy. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and explained a little bit of how this, how this looks in the, in the spiritual. And he says, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we live in these bodies. We don't war according to the flesh. We're not, and we, we learned before that we're fighting against spiritual, spiritual battles. But those things are all in the thoughts and in the mind. He says, The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And what are these strongholds? He says, They're casting down the arguments. You know, the things that are opposed. He's like, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What are those high things? Other knowledge that exalts itself against the knowledge of who God is. He says, we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And they were talking about when they debate with unbelievers... This idea of saying we're going we're to capture those thoughts that they have and bring them under the obedience of Jesus. 
But the thing is, that happens between our own, in our own minds as well, that we would be taking captive the thoughts in our own mind. That are they obedient to Christ? And, um, you know, you've got to be courageous if you're going to even embark on this. It's, it takes courage because most of the thoughts that we've got to do battle with are the, are the cultural norms around us. They really are. They're things that seem normal in culture that the majority is all for. And yet there, there it is. That one person was like, nah, I got I to gotta stand because I, I, want, I want truth to be here. And there's that wrestle that will my mind be in that right place. Paul says to the Romans earlier in Romans 8, Romans 8 verse 5 and 6, he describes it really well. He says, for those, for those who live according to the flesh... For those who live according to this world, the flesh, the, the part that's in this, in this world, he says, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. You can also think, think of the things of the world. That's what they, their mind is set on all the things that are happening in the world or on the flesh, the things that they desire in their own selves. He says, but those who live according to the spirit, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. In verse six, it says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, I think about that, that, that word of life and that, that, that blessing of peace. Those are like, man, I want those kind of things in my life. Man, I want those kind of things in my life. And he says that's, that's, that happens when somebody's um, mind is set on spiritual things. The truth is you get to set your own mind. I get to set my own mind. It's not like, you know, where we can say, well, I'm just going to move into my mother-in-law's mind. You know, I'll let, I'll let her do all the thinking. No, no, you, 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 can't, you can't do that, but you get to choose what your mind is going to be set on. You know, uh, there's things in our life that take different amounts of time to set. Um, I, like super glue, for instance. It is so quick. I don't know if you've ever tried fixing something with super glue and get on your fingers and then they're stuck together. It's like, man, it was instant. It was an instant um, setting, but man, it takes a while and some skin usually to get it apart. You know, if there's things like Jello, you know, Jello takes a few hours to set, but that's the thing with Jello. I mean, once you start eating, you put it in your mouth, you, you swish it around. Oh, you can turn it back to liquid in, you know, just, just a few seconds. It takes, you know, long to set, but it can be quickly changed. Kind of the opposite of super glue. And then there, there's concrete where, you know, it, concrete is like, man, it's one of those things where it's, it's easy to change when it's wet and when it's malleable and moldable. But man, is it ever difficult once it's hard? You know, I had, um, when we were building our house, I had, we were putting up the foundation and I forgot to, to put a hole in the foundation where uh, a pipe had to go through and I had to do it like a couple days later. And it took forever uh, trying to drill through. It was so, so hard. And I thought, man, you know, that's the same thing for some of us. And sometimes there's those things that have set in our, in our minds, those mindsets that they're difficult to change, but they're not possible. You know, we talk about the mindsets being like belief systems. Those kind of the, the things are uh, the same in our, in our own life. You know, some form in our lives much quicker than others. You know, sometimes you're like, you got this, you know, this, this uh, uh, you, you set your mind on something like you're driving to Tim Hortons, like, I'm going to have an apple fritter. And you're in the lineup and all of a sudden you get to the, to the, to the screen and all of a sudden you look and you're like, wait, I didn't know they filled donuts that have a hole and filling on the inside. I'm like, no, no, huh, my mind has changed. You know, I made up my mind to like 10 seconds later, no, I, I changed my mind. I mean, some of them happen just that quickly, but some of the other ones are, are, are much, are much more difficult because the mindset that's, that we have is actually formed over a long period of time. They've been formed by circumstance or formed by experience. Maybe it's been formed by education. It's what you've always been told. 
Maybe it's been formed by just repetitive information that keeps coming one over and over and over. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's in there. It's almost like habit. Uh, maybe it's things, you know, in your, in your life that you ended up believing about life that aren't true. And that mindset is there and you hear truth and it's like, oh, I don't, I find it so difficult to, to, to believe what's true. Or maybe it was things about you that, <laughs> that aren't true. And yet you, you believe, you know, like the I can't. I can't quit smoking. I can't quit drinking. I, I, I can't give up that thing. I can't stop losing my temper. The I can'ts, you know, often I can't change. You know, those things that are not true, but often is a mindset that, that's, that holds steady in, in many people's hearts and minds. You know, and then there's the, 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 the misbeliefs or the mindsets that people have about the Lord. These things about God that, they've, that they've, they've heard all their lives or experiences told them, God doesn't love me. Oh, God doesn't heal today. Oh, God doesn't care. If God was good, then why all this trouble and, and all the, these thoughts of this, this mindset? And, and the thing that's, that's so important about having truth in these areas is that we live our lives based on, the, on our mindset. What you, what you really believe is how you live your life. You might say, oh, I live my life because I, you know, I believe this, but it's the other way around. You can look at your life and say, how am I living? That's telling you what you really believe. What you really believe about you, what you really believe about God, what you really believe about truth. And it is so important that our mindsets are set in the proper things because our mindsets have the ability to limit us. They have the ability to limit, limit us in, in how we live our lives. You know, back in the day, they, they thought that, the, that nobody could run a mile in under four minutes. That was, they said, that's the, it's an impossibility. Nobody thought it could ever be broken. And you know what? It never was. Until there was this one man named Roger Bannister who believed that, no, it can be broken. And I bet you I can do it. And sure enough, uh, over time, he finally did it in 1954. And guess what happened? Two months later, someone else did it. Why? Because the mindset had been broken in that other person's mind as well. Wait, this is possible. This is possible. And they followed suit. So was it true that nobody could run a mile in under four minutes? No, it was just simply a mindset that had limited people from ever thinking that thinking it was possible until one person did. You know, so Paul, he's encouraging the believers in, in Romans to set their minds on the things of the spirit. He's like, your mindset matters. Have it set in the right places because it will affect the way you live. You know, not set on the flesh, not conform to this world's way of thinking. You know, set, to set it on the things of the spirit. What is that? You know, I'd suggest that the things of the Spirit would be this, to have your mind set on eternity. Like we said last week, be future focused. If you're living in this life like there's more to this life than just this life, it'll affect how you live this life. Did you catch that? If you live this life thinking that there's more to this life than just this life, it will affect how you live this life. You know, with all the chaos going on right now, living for eternity is what was going to bring you peace in your heart and your home. It will. It'll bring the peace in your mind when you know... <laughs> It doesn't matter what's going on around me. I, I know who holds my future. I'm living for him. You know, a mindset on knowing him, knowing his voice. Paul said, I count everything else as loss that I might know him. Nothing else matters as much as knowing him or knowing, knowing his voice. You know, I'm, I'm encouraged by those who have the, um, like this limitless trust in a limitless God. Lily's a person that, uh, you know, she's, she's often just taking steps saying, I'm just going to trust God. I feel like he's told me to do it. I'm going to go and do it and stepping out. And, and it's inspiring to see. And we said goodbye to her this week because she's heading off to Alberta. You know, as a, she's a single mom who's now going to become a, a mission aviation pilot uh, to, to fly uh, and use those gifts and talents for missionary service. I'm like, man, 
It's, in, it's inspiring. And, and, and you go, girl. Like that's the, uh, it's a mindset that says, I'm not going to limit him. It doesn't matter. And then finally, you know, a mindset of knowing his word. Can I tell you the danger I see right now? The danger I see around us is so many Christians who look at scripture through the lens of culture instead of the other way around. It's happening everywhere. Churches are changing and drifting away from truth because culture's putting the pressure on. Schools and other places are, are drifting away from truth because there's pressure from the outside. And they begin to look at scripture through the lens of culture. And they were like, well, we'll change scripture. We'll change the scripture, the meaning of it. And Paul's like saying, that's what I'm saying. Don't conform to the patterns, the thinking of this world, because it will lead you down a path you don't want to be on. You know, for instance, culture will say, you know, people are good at heart. Maybe you've heard that. But having a biblical worldview would tell you, no, they're not. They, they are broken to the core. The, the, that our hearts are deceitful beyond anything, and they, they're full of wickedness. <laughs> if any parent raises children, you know you don't have to teach them that. They got it on the inside. They are born with it. You know, our culture might say things that, you know, whatever you think is true is true for you. And it's, it's truth. It's not. The, the scriptural worldview will say there is only certain things that are truth. And anything but that is not truth. You might call it that, but it's not what it is. You're just deceiving yourself. You know, culture would say to us that your happiness is the most important thing. So pursue it. A scriptural worldview will say that's not the truth at all. Your character and the glory of God are much more important than your happiness. And oftentimes, you'll give up your character to find happiness and you'll regret it in the end anyways. But that biblical worldview is so, so important for us to have. But we have to know a culture says, you know, love and tolerance are the same thing. You're going to hear that over and over in this day and age. But they are not the same thing. They are not. But do you have a biblical worldview? Do you have a mindset that's on his word, that's on truth, or is it something else? You know, I say sometimes it's hard to get rid of the BS in your life. BS meaning belief systems. Sometimes it's hard to get rid of that in your life. We, we talk about it is that you've got to set your mind on his word until it's set. That's that whole idea. Set your mind on his word until it's set. Paul often talks about us having the mind of Christ. But, you know, having the mind of Christ isn't like a scripture I just quote and say, yeah, hey, I have the mind of Christ. No, no, it's not like that at all. It's as your mind is set on his word, you, you become awakened to the realization that, hey, I see the world the way Christ does. I see it through his word and his voice. And it's that choosing that, you know what? I'm going to choose to think like him about everything, about God, about life, about people, about me, about marriage, about children, about work, about play, about eternity, about faith, about church, about money, about sexuality, about culture, about government, about love, about forgiveness, about happiness. Did you know it's all in there? It is all in there to say, I will think, I will think like he, like he desires me to think about those things. I'm, I will set my mind on that truth. How's that going to happen? It happens simply by being transformed, by the renewing of your mind, by the renovating of your, of your mind according to his word. That your lived life will be what you really believe. That you will live out what you truly believe. And so here's the question as we close this portion of of our time together. Is your mind set on him? Or do you feel like sometimes your mind's set on anxiety and worry and fear? Is your mind conformed to this world's way of thinking? Do you see that? You're like, yeah, you know, so often people tend to agree with the majority instead of agreeing with what's right. 
They agree with the majority instead of agreeing with what's right. Is your mind being conformed to the image of Christ or to the world's way of thinking? Does, does circumstance change truth or is truth always truth? Does circumstances change truth or is truth always truth? I think those are important things for us to answer, especially in a day like today. You know, there's lots of things out there that are going to try and conform your life. They are. You know, there's the uh, circumstances around. There's all kinds of, you know, things that, that we look at and education and information that's trying to conform your life. But there's only one thing that transforms it, and that's his truth. That's his truth. And it's up to us to say, God, I, I choose that. Because I want to present my body as a living sacrifice to you. That my body is your temple. That, that this is, it's all yours. And that my mind would, it's not going to, well, I did that before. The world's way of thinking, it left me empty. Lord, my mind, may it be transformed by you, by your word. You know, and I think that transformation, it, it can only start with acknowledging a couple of facts. Acknowledging the fact that I'm broken inside. Acknowledging the fact that I'm a sinner that I'm, I'm not good at heart. That if I'm honest, it's pretty broken in there. And I, if I'm honest, I don't have the ability to fix it myself. So I recognize that I'm in need. And what am I in need of? You might not even realize this, but that sin has a penalty. Has a cost that has to be paid by someone. A righteous judge judges sin righteously. And that penalty is on us unless someone else takes it for us. And that's what Jesus came to do. To say, yeah, Heavenly Father, they, they've messed up their lives. They've sinned more times than they can count. They, they are a sinner. They're broken. They're contaminated. But I will take all of their punishment if you'll forgive them, wash them clean, make them new, awaken their spirit to you. I'll take their punishment. And he gives you that opportunity to choose. He doesn't force it on anybody. He doesn't come in and like, I'm just going to save the day whether you like it or not. He simply offers it to you. If you're watching right now and you're in that spot and you, that, that, that sounds like you and you feel that pounding in your heart like God knows me and he knows everything I've done and, and he's reaching for me. Simply saying, God, okay, I surrender and I, I choose you. I begin to repent. I change my mind about all the way I've lived my life before. and God, I'm going to start thinking differently and living a life following you. Would you lead me and guide me in that truth? And that's something powerful happens. God moves in. He lights you up on the inside. He makes you alive where you were once dead. You'll have the opportunity to hear his voice leading and directing you. Most people describe it as like I have this weight just lifted off my shoulders. Why? Because he does. He lifts up the sin and carries it away. So grateful. So grateful. Even when I think about the first time I understood that, it never gets old. It never gets old to know that I've been forgiven. And when I think about all of that, I just leave you at the verse we started with, Romans 12, 1 to 2. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, therefore, because of what Christ has done for you, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's really the most logical thing we could do in response to what he's done for us. And don't be conformed to the world. Don't, don't go back to their type of thinking. Allow yourself to be transformed by renewing your mind that you might prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ma'am, that's my prayer for me. It's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for us that we would experience that. So would you take the opportunity to seek out his word on what it says on all of the things that matter in life and determine that you will say, I, I will live my life for truth. I will allow him to transform me. I will listen to hear what the spirit is saying to his church. 
And God, I pray that you give us the understanding. Let me, can we pray together? Heavenly Father, I, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for the truth. I'm grateful that it's living and powerful. It, it, it speaks right to us. Would you use it tonight? Would you use it today to change us, to do what you desire to do in our lives? Lord, would your word just marinate in there and, and change our minds and the way we think about things? God, there's areas where we need to repent to change the way we think. Would you make us aware of that? Holy Spirit, we choose to, to allow your truth to shine bright through our lives. Give us courage, Father, in a day and age when it's difficult to stand for truth. But may you be glorified and may you be seen above all. Lord, we love you and we honor you tonight. And I ask this in your name once again. Amen. Uh, so we're going to leave you with a few questions to discuss. Hopefully you're meeting in a group and you have a chance to chat right now with some of those around. But if not, oh, I would encourage you at some point this week, hang out with some of your friends and just take that opportunity to be intentional about that, those relationships in, in towards a, a spiritual direction. So we give you a few questions to get you started. Number one, what jumped out at you from today's talk? We're just like, hmm, that made me think. Second, do you ever find yourself conforming to popular opinion? And why or why not? Third, in what areas of your life have you experienced transformation? This is for Jesus followers. In what areas of your life have you experienced it? Because I, I, that's the thing. When you know that it can happen in different areas, it opens your eyes to believe that it can happen in others. And then finally, what do you think are the most difficult mindsets to change? What do you think are the most difficult? Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's unforgiveness. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you, but I'd encourage you to think about that. And maybe if it is you, maybe that's something that you are struggling with. Would you take that opportunity to ask your group there to pray with you and, and uh, just allow God to transform you uh, as you change the way you think. Thank you uh, for this time spent together. Thank you for investing in your life, for sowing his word into your heart. Thank you for shining wherever you find yourself and being his hands and feet uh, in your part of the world. Uh, and thanks for making Kingsway a, a part of your week and grateful for it. Thank you for that. So till we see each other, whether it's here or somewhere in eternity, uh, looking forward to that day. And till then, just know that we love you and we're praying for you and believe in the best for you. We'll see you later.